0: So we're gonna pick it up from Davchov Teshamid Beis, three lines from the bottom. So we had yesterday a machlekes. Um If if you say that this this these these trees will be holy until they're cut down, so it's a machleikus when you cut them down. Does the kedusha automatically go away? Bichdi, it just goes away. Parcha kedushazm. Fine, that's one machlaikis, But Rav Padov started the discussion by saying that. There's no purpose of redeeming it until you cut it down, because the second you redeem it, it's Kaddish again. By you saying it's Kaddish until it's cut down, you're basically saying it's perpetually Kaddish. So it's Kaddish, you redeem it, it becomes Kaddish again, you redeem it, it becomes Kaddish again, until it's cut down. But if, uh, but if, you, if you make it holy, and then redeem it, it becomes holy again. It's, it's, it's like a, a constant Kaddusha that you put on it. So the Gemara wants to know the following halacha. The Gemara says, <speaking in Hebrew> so Yosef, Rav Ovin, Rav Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak, Rav and Rav Ovin, Rav Yitzchak, were sitting in front of Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak was dozing off. So Yosef, you come to the Bar Pada, the fe- Amar Pada, the Chai Zeb So while was dozing off, they said the following point. According to Rav Pada, that it's holy, and then when you redeem it, it becomes holy again. Meaning, we have over here is an interesting concept, which is, A person is able to set Kedusha to take in effect later, even though there's a period of time where you can't make it holy. Let me explain. You have this tree. You can make it holy right now. Why not? You make it holy. Once it's holy, could you make it holy again? No. Again, it just doesn't work. So there's a period of time where you can't make it holy. Yet, you're setting something in motion that when it becomes redeemed, it becomes holy again. So you sort of like, you did like a time release Kedusha. Such a concept that you did. Huh? It's like, hover, yeah. it's like hovering it. Yeah. Exactly. You ho- and hovered, there. and the second... I mean, you're su- such a Mitzitius works. So, okay, fair. So the Gemara says, let's answer, let's use this concept to answer a Shailah and Masechus Kedushin. it's What do you mean? If that's the mechanism, that it's like hovering and dropping, Yeah. Like, if that is earlier... Why? if you go that way like either way however the kedusha it's still a separate Shilo of where the kadusha just automatically goes away that's we'll a separate child but the concept is that you could have a kedusha that you sort of set time release to set in even though in between the time that you declared it to the time the kedusha it sets in there's a period of time where you can't make it holy because it's already holy so like there's a time limit it's like like, you definitely can do something time-release when, when there's nothing in between. Meaning, we said yesterday, you can go to a woman and say, no problem. Because during those 30 days, you can make her holy. You can make her married. So there's no reason why you can't just have it set to start at a later date. But over here, you see, there's an interesting concept is that not only is it being set at a later date, there's a period of time where you can't make it holy because it's already holy. So not only is it a time-release, but it's a time-release and there's a period of in-between where you can't do anything to it. So what? So the Gemara says we could use this concept lachora to answer a shaila meseches kedushin. Tivshe deboi boy We can answer Rav Aishyeh's kasher meseches kedushin. Rav Aishe asked the following question: You give a woman two dollars, and you say the first one is for us to get married. Then, when we get divorced, because it's happening at some point, I want the second dollar to take effect later, meaning. So you're doing a time release to take effect after the divorce. So Rehoshio wasn't sure whether it works. He wants to get married a second time, time, right? To her, yeah, exactly. So he's giving her two rings Two rings now, now. one is to take effect for Kedushin, and one is that after they get divorced, because that's going to happen, he wants the second ring to have Kedushin, to affect Kedushin then. The question is, does that work? (laughs) Rehoshio wasn't sure. Rehoshio wasn't sure. So the Shaili is, does it work? So the Gemara says, l'chari, you should answer the kasha from our, our concept that it does. If you could set a time release, being I mean, the same way the tree, the second you redeem it, sort of divorce it, it becomes holy again. From that first action, so too over here, it's divorced, becomes holy again. It should be the same. It's, it's synonymous with each other. So the Gemara says... They wanted to say that they could use this concept to answer that kasha, that you could marry a woman and then stipulate that when you get divorced, it takes effect again. Okay. While this is happening, they're having this conversation. Yeah, but yeah, but but the thing is that it's within the power of to somebody else. So the Gemara, yes, yeah, uh, that's sort of the Gemara's rejection. That's sort, of, that's sort of the Gemara's rejection. So the Gemara says, while they're saying this, itar baravirmi. mir mi woke up and he hears him saying this and he says, Amr lehu, How do you compare the two? Hu you can't compare this sugya to that sugya because when it comes to redeeming the holiness, right, with the tree, what if you're not the one who redeems it? What if someone else redeems it? Does the Kedusha then set in? The answer is no. Meaning, Kedusha will only set in if it's a time release, if it was always under your jurisdiction. If in between it became someone else's tree, someone else's tree. However, they redeem it, you get sold to them, whatever it is. Do you think that it perpetually becomes holy also? No. Once it goes to someone else's jurisdiction, your jurisdiction is removed. When you marry a woman, the second you divorce her, your jurisdiction is gone. She's not something that you own. Once you're divorced, so you want to have it that the kadushion will take effect. Then when you get divorced, the condition will automatically take effect. That doesn't work. Because the second you divorce her, she leaves your jurisdiction. She's not Meshuvah to you anymore. By a it, tree, it's always yours. If it became someone else's in between, then the kadush would not take effect. What's the point of this? But the point is, it, you can't use this as a makar. Yes, you're going to say, well, she's maratza. I understand that. But the point is, you can't set something in motion, compare it to this sugya because in this sugya, it's yours the entire time. You never left your jurisdiction. By the way, it's not necessarily a proof that it doesn't work. It's just a proof that it's not a good makar. Because by the tree, it's yours the entire time. I don't know what the halacha is. Your wife. No, but the second you divorce her, the, some, divorce is not just the caduce is removed. She leaves. She's a completely she's completely out of your jurisdiction. Who says that the condition will automatically take effect then? By the tree, the assumption is that if the tree becomes someone else's in between, then your caduce no longer takes effect. So by Kedushan also with the woman, she leaves your jurisdiction. That's the point. It's not, it's not equatable. I agree that it's not equatable. Oh, it's not, yeah. I, I don't believe that it's a proof that it doesn't work. It's just not a proof that it does work. Okay. So the Gemara says who if he redeemed the tree so it's always in his jurisdiction it becomes holy right away if someone else redeems it it becomes someone else's tree it doesn't matter automatically become holy because it's now someone else's tree so this woman the when a woman becomes divorced it's like someone else bought her, meaning that she leaves your domain. Once she leaves your domain, it's not necessarily, uh, 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 there's no makar necessarily that your action will automatically uh, stipulate that it'll work. You might have to redo Kiddush and ask her again and do a Maisa Kidd- Kinyan again because your kinian from when she was under your jurisdiction before doesn't necessarily equate to this one. That's the says that's uh, so not equatable necessarily. Like I said, it's not necessarily a proof it doesn't work, it's just not a proof that it does work. So the Gemara says he said the same thing that when it comes to a tree it just depends on who owns the tree if it's yours the whole time perpetual holy if someone else redeems the tree it becomes theirs it's not perpetual holy the holiness stops so it doesn't work so by hegdish it doesn't work by Kedushin we don't know isn't that what the base says? huh? by hegdish it doesn't work the question is by Kedushin I have no idea how we pass it um yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, did, I forgot to check it out, but I'm not sure how we paskin, but um, so, I, I would assume it doesn't work, probably from the suqya, but actually, there's a very long run where the Ran discusses he looks at it as a boy valifshata, it's a question the Gemara never really answered, so then you have to do with boy valifshata throughout shahs about how we paskin, so the ron talks about how we paskin. Okay these next daf, this next amid has five mishnahs, four mishnahs four mishnahs Now, the premise of these Mishayas is that when it comes to Nadarim, we use the colloquialism. We go by the way people speak. So even if technically a word means a certain thing, but that's not how people talk, we go by the way people talk. That's the basic flow of these Mishayas. We're going to see that people, so you said something that technically can mean this, but it means that, we go with B. And then all, you know. Um, all uh, different things like that So let's, let's run through the Mishnah If you say a nether You're not going to benefit from anyone that's uh, Anyone that's a, a, a fisherman Any boat people Any people that are on the ocean Any people that are on the ocean then You're not allowed to benefit from anyone that's at the sea But people that don't go on the sea People that stay on land You're allowed to benefit from Okay, so far so good but if let's say you said, I'm also from benefiting from anyone that lives on the land, then usr be Then you're also not only from people that are on the land, but you're also from fishermen, because fishermen at some point go back to the land. Meaning everyone's on the land. So if you ask the people on the land, you're asking all people, because even fishermen go back to the land at some point. Now, this next line, um, fine. Then this next line is a little interesting. It's a, it's a weird line, and we're going to have a machlegis about where to place it. We're not referring to people that travel from Ako to, to Yafo, which is very close to each other. We're talking about long traveling on the sea. Now, which line, which part of the Mishnah is that going on, that the Gemara is going to address? So it's an ambiguous line. It's just saying that when we say tra- sea traveling, we mean really sea traveling, not Akko not Akko liyafo. So the Gemara says There's a machlekes of what this line is referring to Is it referring to the first halacha Or the second halacha There are two halachas in the Mishnah The first halacha is that if you ask her um, fishermen, you're, you're allowed to benefit from land people The second halacha is if you ask land people You ask from everybody Then there's this weird line that When we say fishermen we mean real sea travelers So What, what is that going on So the Gemara explains the one who placed on the first line, this is how he reads the Mishnah. The first line is, if you aser benefit from anyone that travels on the sea, you're allowed to benefit from people that are on the land. Okay? But you're aser from people on the sea. That and what type of fishermen are aser? Not real travelers. Okay. We'll go to the next page. Meaning, the first line is that you're not allowed to, that you ask, if you ask are sea travelers, and you're also only on sea travelers. But what are sea travelers, not real uh, long-distance uh, travelers? That's if you place that line on the resha. <sighs> the one who plays on the seif, this is how he reads the Mishnah. If someone says that he's not going to benefit from anyone that's on the land, he's also from everybody. Meaning, the second line of the Mishnah is teaching you that if you say you're also from people that are on the land, you're also even from fishermen because they're eventually going to come back. So says the Mishnah, and don't think you're only also from Yafali Ako. Because that's like a short distance. But the people that are on the boats 10 months a year, you're going to be mutter. No. If you ask land, you're asking all people on the world because everyone at some point goes back to land. So when it says asr, it doesn't just mean yafo laako, it means all fishermen. So that's a is about how to read the mission. Okay. Next one. Hanoi Let's say someone says, I'm not allowed to benefit from anyone who sees the sun. So the halacha is aser af You're asking all people. And all creatures, even those that are blind, because when you say "see the sun," you don't actually mean that they see the sun. It means the sun sees them. So what you meant is to ask anyone that the sun sees them, not that they see the sun. So by the way, so who are you, who, who are you mutter them to? If you're usher from all people and all creatures, uh, you mutter to benefit from fish, because fish don't. The sun doesn't see the fish, and uh, and fetuses. So the Gemara says, Why do we read this way? Because you didn't say from people that see. So if you meant to exclude blind people, you would have said that. You said from anyone who sees the sun. So what did you mean? You just meant to exclude fish and and fetuses. Okay. Next mission. Hanoider haroish. Oh. You said, I'm assuring benefit from anyone who's shchirei haroish. Shchirei haroish means dark-headed. Now, here's the thing. Back then, most people, there was sfaradim, right? Sfaradim are not usually blonde. Right? Germans are blonde. Uh, Polish are blonde. Uh, sfaradim are, are dark-haired. So most men were dark-haired. So you said, I'm assuring all dark-haired people. So the question is, are you mutter in bold people? Bold people are not dark. Uh, And also gray, because, or any people that have light hair. I'm not referring to anyone specifically. (laughs) But the question is, so says the Mishnah, (laughs) You're not allowed to benefit from bald people. You're not allowed to benefit from uh, um, uh, people with uh, white hair. Meaning, when you said dark-haired people, you didn't literally mean dark-haired. That was a euphemism for men. Because the Gemara says that women always covered their hair, so they were never called dark-haired. Even when they had dark hair, they were not called dark hair, they were called hair-covered. They were called covered-haired people, that's how you would describe them. And kids never covered their head at all. So kids were always considered uncovered head. You see, the Gra says, you see from the Sugi, that there's no chiv to wear a yarmulke, it was a minic. Kids never wore a yarmulke. Adults sometimes did, sometimes didn't. Hats, not hats. Men were, you would say, dark-haired. So dark-haired was more of a euphemism for men. It wasn't necessarily dark hair. And if he's blonde, no, dark-haired means men. So your mother and women and, and, and children to benefit from, your are from men, because that dark-haired, that's an example where dark-haired, like the literal sense is anyone with dark hair, but the euphemism, the, 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 the colloquial usage of that was just men. So, the only ones who are called dark-haired people are men. So the Gemara speaks well, it out. Consider time and place. Yeah, obviously. Today, if you say blonde, you generally mean a woman. In the, in the general... I don't know, I'm blonde. In the general call I don't know. People, when they say blonde... I'd be called blonde. What mean? Blonde. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm saying, I don't, I don't know. You've got to take in, you need to take in time. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I'm saying, I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. But that was, uh, at the time of the Gemara, that's right. No one is dark-haired anywhere. In any, any term now is nowadays. So the point is, if you said it's also for dark-haired people, it meant to ask her, uh men and not women and children. So Gemara speaks in a my time. Huh? How do I know that it, maybe he meant dark hair? The answer is, He didn't say hair. He didn't say, how did he know that it's Asr and bald people? Because if he meant to exclude bald people, he would say Non-bold people. He said, dark-haired, which was a euphemism for men. The Gemara speaks it out. Men sometimes cover their hair, sometimes not. So they were called dark-haired. That was what they were called. Women always covered, women always... Uh, un- uh, covered their hair. So they were always called covered hair. And children were always uncovered. So they were always called uncovered men. Sometimes not. Sometimes, they were called dark-haired people. Okay, it's, it's, uh, That was how they were called. Now, the next mission is like this. next mission is, it, it's, it's simple, but, okay. The technical word of the word, the technical, mm. there's the word yulud and noilad. And the Gemara wants to know, if you use each term, what do you mean to asser Do you mean yulud and noilad asering? people that will be born people already born both or neither and again there is the technical term and then there's how people speak the gemara is going to prove that these words can actually mean both from tanakh you got to go just go with the way people speak so the mishnah says like this hanoidim en hayuludim if someone says i'm also to benefit from Yeludim," what does this mean ladin you're allowed to benefit from people that will be born because Yiludin means people already born. People that will be born after the nether are not included in Yuludim. So Yiludim means already, past. Okay? Min If you said the word no then also then, be um then it means also for both. No-yiludim, the, 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 the Tanakhama feels, means both that will be born and both that are already born. So no is general, it's, it's everyone. Ravmeir disagrees. He says no. He says, Noilodim is mater af b'yeludin. is mutter, even those that have been born. The seeming shot right now is that Rav Meir holds Noilodin doesn't answer anybody. Meaning, the Kama feels noyeladim asher is both that will be born and both that are already born, and Rav seems to disagree with both. The problem is, then who's asher? You made a nether. Definitely, somebody, somebody took effect. So we'll have to see. And the, the Gemara is going to address that. The Chomim disagrees. They say that actually, the word noyeladim does not imply anyone that was born and anyone that will be born. What does it imply? It implies anyone that can give birth. Meaning, it's assuring all creatures that give birth, and it excludes two things, um, fish and birds, because they lay eggs. That's what they feel. So, neiladim just means a species that gives birth to babies. It doesn't necessarily mean that will be, it doesn't mean that was. It, it's species that give birth to babies, and what you're excluding is, you're only excluding fish and, 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 and birds, because they lay eggs. Correct. That's what it seems like. It was just a way of saying the species that give. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah I, I, got, I got that. So, so um, the, the the birthing, the bir, the not the birthing and non birthing uh, species. So okay. So the cash is like this. According to Rameyer, Rameyer says that If you say neiladim, you're mutter even for those that have been born. Seemingly, you're mutter for those that have been born and mutter for those that will be born. So the question is, if you mutter for everybody, then what did your neder accomplish? Your neder definitely had to had to take out, you said noiladim, so you definitely said something. So the Gemara says, <laughs> if you mutter for those that will be born, you mutter for those that have been born, so what did the neder take effect? The answer is no. you're missing words in the Mishnah, this is what it means to say. Hanoidim if the Tanakhama said, if you say the word yiludin, it's mutter bin it's mutter for those that will be born, because Yeludin only asers those that have been born already. Min hanayludin also be Yeludin. Min hanayludin is also be The Tanna feels that Nayludin means it's aser for everybody, both that were and both that will be. Comes Rav Meir and he says Af hanayidim min hanayludim muter Rav Meir says no. Nayludin no, also only asers those that. Uh, have been already born but it's mutter for those that will be born so Rameer is not mattering entirely Rameer is only mattering those that will be born he's saying Neilodin and Yuludin are the same they're only answering those that have been not those that will be so Rameer is not matter all all people, he's only mattering those that will be born okay Rav Meir the and see here's the, the kasha you have the word Neilodin it seems to be a machloikas Right? Rav Meir feels that neiladin only implies those that al- are already born. Their abundance saying no, neiladin implies even those that will be born. So the question is, what does the word mean, though? Again, I have already explained to you that we go with the colloquialism, but the Gemara wants to get there. So right now the Gemara is saying, well, you got to go with what, what the word means. What does the word neilad mean? The problem is, in Tanakh, we have indications where neilad implies the past, and we have implications where it means the future. So the Gemara says, uh, the, that means to tell me that, again, if, if the Gemara's assumption is that we're going with the literal term of what the word actually means and not the colloquialism, so then what does the word Nailodin mean? So the Gemara says, The word Nailodin means those that will be born in the future. That's the Tanakhama says. Here's the problem. The Pasuk says, The Pasuk says that. Yaakovin says to Yosef, Your two sons that are Noilid loch beretz mitzrayim. They're already born. born. So it can't be what will be in the future because they were already born. Ephraim and Asher were already born. So you see that the word Noilid is the past. Okay. Okay, fine. That means that it's the past. Here's the problem. The Pasuk describes a Nevua that's talking about the end of the kingdom of David and the Rishon that will come out of David. And it says the word. Uh, Noelad, and it's referring to Yoshiyahu. Now, Yoshiyahu's grandfather wasn't born yet. This is all the future. So, says, Menashe, who is was grandfather, wasn't yet born yet. So, so you have the word Noelad implies already, and the word Noelad implies the future. So, what's the answer? What's the is about? The answer is, mash mahachi, The answer is, is it's taka. It means both. The answer is you go with the colloquialism. The and the is how do people use the word noilid? Rameer feels that it means. Only the past. The say no. It, the, the word people will use the word in the future. So the, it's a machlaikas of what's the colloquialism of the word noilid? Because from a technical dictog perspective, it means both. So people use it in all two ways. So the kasha is what? How do people use it in a regular way? We'll just end off the daf. is lamishadak So I mention this. So the Chum the chum say no. The word noilid doesn't actually imply past or future. It just means species that give birth, excluding what It's excluding fish and birds which actually and they do not give birth, and that's what it's excluded. I will stop I, it. Uh, also the discussion. Right. Yes. Yep. Recording stop.